Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Hope you're having a great day. So anyway, this is uh, we're going to move on now. This is George Freeland, the executive director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. I often talk about the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation as being sort of a best practice and a public-private sort of partnership. Uh, they're doing amazing things, and I'm, I've been really looking forward to, to catching up with George to see what the latest is. Anyway, let's start by just saying good morning. Good morning, Ricky, and thank you again for having me back on. It's a, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Uh, so much going on there, man. You guys are so strategically focused. Um, for people who may have missed our past conversations, why don't you kind of give people an update on, first, what the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation is and why you think I referred to it as a best practice as it relates to public-private sector working together? Yes. Yeah, so as we've discussed before, Ricky, as you know, the Economic Development Foundation in Jackson County is is architected to be a full, complete functioning public-private economic development partnership for economic development, right? So our governance includes uh, mayors, uh, boards of supervisors, uh, port commissioners, but then that is, that, that's augmented or supplemented with leading up uh, uh, industries in the community so that, as we like to explain it, the president of the board of supervisors sits at the same table with the refinery manager at Chevron and the president at Huntington Ingalls. And, and with that sort of composite behind us, when we couple uh, th- that, that architecture with uh, staff and management that bring decades of by record proven economic development success to the table, uh, it, it is. It, it's, a, it's a powerful combination and it's one that has sustained itself for, for a number of decades now. And, and because of that, as you and I have discussed, we have the ability, we have the wherewithal, we have the underwriting and the leadership to focus on things that are truly transformational to our economy, not just six months or a year out, but 5, 10, 15, and 20 years with that look over the horizon. Yeah, I've enjoyed our, our many, many conversations. Uh, some of what you do is very tactical, helping companies mm-hmm. achieve a specific short-term goal. And then sometimes it's about expansion efforts or even new companies that could take years to d- mm-hmm. develop. And I uh, talked a little bit about that with Jamie Miller this week is, you know, his time at the MDA, we had an opportunity to reflect on his multitude of experience that led him to the Gulf Coast Business Council. And mm-hmm. and we had a chance to talk about what it takes to pull off a, a, a big economic development project. And, you know, you're, you're in the driver's seat. You see that on a regular basis. So you guys have always been eager, whether it's working with an existing company or whether it's working with a new company that may not pay dividends for many years. That's the that's the point in working incredibly strategically all the time, always maximizing the opportunities you see in front of you and making Jackson County competitive. When you look at how you know where you are today, what what's your give me kind of a report card on how you're doing? Oh my gosh, you know we can we can base the success of the organization and the community on a number of different variables, but let's just go to the data, right? You know, I hear people say time and time again that we have to lean on what is the integrity of the data, and we're willing to do that. So if you do that, Ricky, we can claim, we can um, we we can we can communicate if not boast 
uh, uh, over three to 4,000 new jobs created just in the last 36 months. We can couple that with a quantifiable 700 million of new capital investments. And then couple that with the data that tells us that our manufacturing wages in, in, in this county are, high, are higher than any other in the state of Mississippi, higher than any, any other community in that I-10 corridor between Baton Rouge and the Florida Panhandle. And they're some of the highest manufacturing wages in the Southeast. When we unravel it a little bit more, we come to, to, come to understand that the combined wages when overlaid with the cost of living index, that is the purchasing power on a dollar by dollar basis, Jackson Countyans make more in aggregate sense than any other community along that 10 corridor between Baton Rouge through Mobile, Pensacola, and the Panhandle. So those are, you know, that, that is a sense of the quantifiable data. But when we back up, we have to appreciate that, that n none of that is by happenstance. Uh, those those data points are are the output. They are the result of decades of disciplined focus on meaningful economic development in this community, uh, be it an innovation component, be it technology driven, uh, be it an uh, in, in evolution within existing sectors at Chevron um, or at Ingalls Shipbuilding or within what uh, are relatively new sectors in our community in the form of uh, aerospace manufacturing and assembly. So the data points reflect a, uh, a continued success. More importantly, the data points reflect, as I put it, a discipline to, to the execution of economic development. And then projects uh, that, that are less than anecdotal but are important. Just recently, we celebrated the uh, expansion of the Rolls-Royce Marine North America um, second machining center of excellence. Uh, this is transformational. Look, we're going to, Rolls-Royce will build additional propellers for surface, surface combatants at Ingalls, but now we'll also cast and finish propulsion systems for, for, for aircraft carriers. Uh, that, that in and of itself implies a measure of diversification. So all things considered, as a matter of public record, the composite, the architecture that has been in place here for years, to your point, Ricky, it, it's paid dividends. It has paid dividends. You know, one of the things that, that really hits me is that when people think of, when they think of Jackson County, obviously they think about Ingalls and they think about Chevron. But there's a lot of other things going on there that's sort of diversifying the economy of Jackson County that are really important to the overall conversation. When you talk about the diversification, how do you talk about it? We talk about it in, in the sense that it is a, a reality, that it has to be a center point, a centerpiece in any progressive community's economic development strategy. Look, our intention is that shipbuilding and petrochemical will always be that economic development backbone of this community, and that those two deep water channels that support those sectors will always be viable and, and, again, drivers within our community. But we have to overlay the economy, the jobs, the value of jobs, and the innovation component in our community in, in, in a way that, again, we're constantly evolving um, as a population, as an economy. And we do that uh, with, with aerospace, uh, investments made at Trent Lott International by and through Restore Act and GCRF monies. Um, have positioned us for new growth there. I assure you that those investments are positioning us for 
uh, enhanced growth within the unmanned systems. At our Sunplex Light Industrial Park, we've announced three projects in the last three years. One, uh, Respiratech is an environmental remediation lab that has contracts throughout the European Union. Uh, the second is American Bait Works, which is actually a polymer injection company. And one of the real centerpieces at Sunplex was the recently announced and what will be newly developed uh, Mississippi State Northern Gulf Aquatic Food Research Center, a three-piece operation that includes an analytical lab laboratory, process area, and eventual incubator with technology transfer through which we can attract other companies that would intend to locate and avail themselves of those academic testing services at Sunplex. So it's not, it's not one thing. Um, it's, it's not about an economic development silo. Uh, in this community, because of our architecture, we can break down those silos and focus on the larger, bigger picture that, as again, I'll remind you, sometimes requires the discipline to want to ask, to ask the question and understand what do we want to be, not next year, but 5, 10, 15, 20 years out. It's, it's really incredible when you hear it said the way you said it. You know, I had the opportunity recently to go over uh, to watch my granddaughter play soccer over the Jackson County uh, soccer fields. And, uh, of course, that, that ride from I-10 takes you by the Sunplex uh, mm -hmm. uh, Industrial Park. What I noticed about it, it's been a while since I've driven by there. I hate to say how long it's been. It's been a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I got the impression, looking at all the logos on the sign, that it was just thriving. I mean, there it was. It is. Is that a recent development, or has it been thriving for a while? It, it's been thriving for a while, and and any of those signs um, or logos you you see at Sunplex, I can assure you, um, were extraordinarily well thought out. We're, we're very guarded about the content and the nature of projects that we will locate in Sunplex. And that is because for all the competitive advantages we have in the economic development arena here in this community and throughout South Mississippi and coastal Mississippi, um, we have real limitations as it concerns real property development, okay? Um, this, is, this is for a, a whole different conversation, Ricky, but we're not going to develop something that looks like a 1,000, 1,500 acre or 2,000 acre light industrial or technology commerce park on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. There are some real ecological limitations, but again, that's for another a conversation. So because of that, given the preparation, the preparedness that is of Sunplex as it concerns the permitting in place, we're very guarded about what goes out there and very guarded as to, again, the quantity, the quality, and the content of what we believe should be very technology, innovation-based companies in that park. This is George Freeland, the Executive Director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. We'll come back and continue the conversation after this break. See you, see you shortly. Live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm having a conversation with George Freeland, uh, old friend. We've we've known each other for an awful long time, 
and we worked in the community together. He's been at the at the uh, Jackson County Economic De- Development Foundation for a number of years and has been a, a good leader in the community. You know, George, one of the things that hit me the other day is that, you know, we saw this big announcement, this multi-billion dollar announcement the governor made up in the Golden Triangle. And they've had, the Golden Triangle has had good economic development success. But what occurred to me when they made that announcement, I think $2.5 billion or something like that, you can, you can correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong about that. I got to thinking, if we were to build Chevron today, what would it cost? If, if oh we were to build Ingalls today, yeah. what would it cost to build yeah. Ingalls? You know, we're, you know, and still today, where does Ingalls and Chevron fit in the total employment for the state of Mississippi? And, and then when you start looking at Jackson County as an economic entity, a major contributor to coastal Mississippi in terms of coastal Mississippi being this economic engine that drives the state, um, it's easy to forget about sort of where you are already. And if you were to sort of start from scratch, what would it take to rebuild what it is you got? Do you ever look at it from that point of view? Yeah, and you know, more the point of view that I look at it, Ricky, is, and you mentioned the Golden Triangle, uh, there's no doubt that, that, that the GTR has been successful within the context of what is their own economic development ecosystem, we call it. Their, their, their competitive advantages, um, their opportunities, and their ability to pursue opportunities are far different than ours are here. The, the, the Mississippi Economic Economic Council did a piece on Jackson County's economic development ecosystem and our success as it concerns our own competitive advantages. And the fact of the matter is, is that as it concerns manufacturing, Jackson County's total, total gross domestic product is the highest in the state of Mississippi at close to $7 billion. Of that $7 billion, manufacturing makes up Three billion of that seven billion, over forty-three percent. So, in, in a continuous basis or on that continuum, um, our manufacturing output exceeds any other area in the state. And again, um, GTR and Jackson County, I think, can both be held up as the the models, if you will, for how to pursue meaningful, impactful, transformational manufacturing economic development in the state of Mississippi. You know, one of the things that, and you and I chatted about this before, but I think in this context, it's important to talk about it because it, it is, you, you talk about strategic opportunities. You talk about very specific strategic goals that Jackson County might have versus what the Golden Triangle might have or, or, or the Delta might have or so on. One of the things that I, I never will forget this, uh, Chevis Wetman and I flew up to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, back not long after we formed the coast the coast chamber and we were looking at a strategic planning process and what might that look like and we spent some time with michael gallus kind of a well-known planner i don't know if you know michael or not but one of the things he did is he went he went up chavis and i are sitting there he goes up uh, michael gallus goes up to a, um, a a map of the united states and then he comes to comes to the coast and he says okay let me tell you how to look at this from a very very macro level. First of all, do you have ports? Yes. Where are they? You know, strategically located. You one in Pascagoula, one in, in Gulfport. Different roles, different different uh, um, you know different positions. But at the end of the day, yeah, we have those. Okay. Now, where are those in relation to railroad capabilities? Where are those in relation to interstate highways? 
where where is coastal Mississippi in terms of the rest of the United States and its access to both both interstate highways and inter intercoastal and inner uh, uh, you know, water inland waterways? What how does that work out? And what you come to the understanding when you go through an analysis like that is that coastal Mississippi is centrally located, number one. And I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how you talk about it. And the other is that the, the proximity to the coast is at, and the access that creates for you, both through inland waterways and just having port capabilities, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to naturally it's going to naturally attract a different kind of industrial customer just just at, just because of that. Ingalls, obviously, a great example of that. Chevron, another great example of that. They wouldn't be able to get either one of those at the Golden Triangle. But mm -hmm. talk about the strategic value of being this coastal, this coastal area, and and having our coastal area so uniquely positioned in America. Yeah. So the the reality of it is that many of our opportunities have a basis that is in terms of our marine connectivity, um, either deep water or shallow draft barge access. You're exactly right about that. And so part of what is unique to, to, to our ecosystem and part of the challenge on us is to make sure that we're always leveraging as it concerns tier one suppliers and vendors, investment connected to those OEMs, you know, look, we hear it all the time, don't we? You know, let's let's go attract a, a tier one or tier two uh, supplier to the to the auto manufacturer or the, or the auto OEM. Well, that's very much a part of our strategy here, and so when we have a number of examples of those, look, uh, Rolls Royce Marine North America is a tier one supplier to the OEM that is Ingalls uh, Precision Products, based in Moss Point, is a supplier to the OEM Ingalls. Uh, uh, we, we have other joiners in the, in the form of, for instance, Jamestown Metal that we expanded here recently. And so focusing on all of those opportunities and sectors that are unique fundamentally to the marine economy um, is central to what we do here. But again, to other surface transportation um, assets in this community, we have to be mindful again of that need to diversify the economy. And again, I speak again to aerospace, aviation, unmanned systems, and, and the fact that in terms of innovation, uh, those, those sectors really represent a, 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 not futuristic, but an opportunity to continue to grow and expand the employment base in this community and in the entire Gulf Coast region. Well, one of those, one of those is one of those key areas. Obviously, Ingalls. When we think about Ingalls, mm -hmm. we think about shipbuilding for sure. But you think about other shipbuilding capacity that's happening in Jackson County. Bollinger's recent acquisition mm -hmm. is incredibly important to the future of Jackson County. Why don't you talk about why that's significant? What it means, the companies that it bought, et cetera. Well, between Bollinger, the the, the pur purchaser of E.T. Halter Marine and, and Ingalls and Northrop Grumman. The processes that they undertake, we have to remind ourselves, aren't just important to Jackson County, Mississippi. And they aren't just important to the state of Mississippi. They're overwhelmingly important to our country and to our national security interest. So between the surface combatants and the Coast Guard cutters being uh, completed at, at Ingalls to 
to high altitude unmanned systems at Northrop or or the F-35 fighter jet subassemblies that are manufactured at Northrop. And now to the polar security cutter, the, the icebreaker that is being manufactured at Halter, it's soon to be uh, a Bollinger. Things that occur in this community are important to our collective natural interest. The story at Bollinger locally and, and as it concerns the state is one of, again, understanding and having the discipline to make long-term transformational investments. Uh, Ricky, as you and I talked about, in the wake of, the, of Hurricane Katrina, between Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina Relief Community Development Block Grant dollars and discretionary monies by and through the Mississippi Development Authority, uh, there are close to $45 million of public improvements into that yard over the course of 20 years that have positioned that yard physically to be able to compete for a contract like the Cutter program. You wouldn't, without that, that chronological context, the average person wouldn't, wouldn't connect those dots. But again, we have the discipline to understand what is transformational. To, uh, to Ingalls Shipbuilding, uh, the state of Mississippi made a significant investment into the shipyard of the future with a number of improvements that have enhanced their competitive competitiveness and their position to compete for new Department of Defense contracts. And with investments made at Trent Lott International with $14 million of Restore Act monies to overlay and widen the runway. We're, we're about pursuing now a number of different uh, opportunities that are all connected to our continued obligation to enhance not just the economy in Jackson County, the coast, and the state of Mississippi, uh, but to always be that area uh, that is a national security interest we excel. Well, George, you and I both know this. We're, we're not going to see new shipyards built in America. I mean, it's very unlikely, that, certainly to the scale of Ingalls. And as, as most people really can't appreciate what you said about America's national defense the role that Ingalls is playing around the world today. It's just truly remarkable and it's important. Um, it's, uh, and I would say it's even more important today because we, we've, we've gone from sort of the war in the Middle East and now we're watching Russia do what it's doing. We're worried about what China's doing, what, what it's doing. Um, in each of those cases, the Navy plays a key role. And I think people are a lot more focused now on we cannot take our, our defense for granted. We need to be able to continue to have the top military in the world and the sophisticated tools that we're building and ships and aircraft and so on. The weapon systems that we're building are going to continue to be important. And Jackson County is sort of at the epicenter of all of that. When we come back, we're going to continue that part of the conversation when we get back. See you after this. on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend George Freeland, executive director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation, and uh, someone I really enjoy visiting with. And of course, when we talk, George, I'm always reminded that we shouldn't take so long to get together. And we actually, you and I have a plan 
where we're going to we're going to get together more often and talk about some of the key components of success. And I look forward to sort of developing that plan where it's going to be it's going to be really terrific. Sure. Hey, listen, before we shift gears away from because I want to go to workforce and uh, some of the other elements of success as we go forward, I want to make sure that we don't leave the notion of what's happening, sort of this unrest and and you know this this sense of we don't know what China is going to do next. We don't know what Russia is going to do next. We've got this you know this this issue of Iran and so, so on that. You know, I would say that it really bodes well for the long-term viability of Ingalls. But when you talk about it inside your circles, how do y'all talk about it? Yeah, uh, look, a- absolutely it bodes well for Ingalls. You know, that, that being said, as we remind ourselves often around here, um, complacency is, 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 is not an option. Uh, we, we can never um, assume uh, that 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 Ingalls is necessarily going to secure any contract. As a community, we have to constantly lean into that proposition. Uh, that's why, on whatever level or scale it might be, be it a smaller vendor to the OEM, or be it Chevron, or be it Ingalls, or be it what is soon to be a Bollinger Marine. Uh, as a community, we have to lean into our part of the deal, which is that public-private partnership. And so we have to have policies at the local level, be them in terms of how we incentivize contracts and new development and job creation and capital expenditure. We have to all do that in a way uh, that we constantly prepare the environment and that we constantly sustain a business environment conducive to new investment and job creation, be it Ingalls, be it Petrochemical, be it Chevron, or be it the litany of other manufacturing and advanced manufacturing interests that we have in this community. Listen, uh, you said that well, and before we shift gears, I want to make sure we don't miss this point, too. I had the opportunity to visit with a young man by the name of Austin Golding. His family owns Gold, Golding Barge Lines, and they, are, they do business with Chevron, and they move petrochemical equipments and inland waterways across the United States. He's got a great view of the energy sector and the problems that we're having with America's sort of bifurcated energy policy. We're not thinking strategically, truly strategically, mm-hmm. when, we, when we think about our, our energy policy. But he, when he talks about Chevron, he says it's the most strategically important uh, uh, refinery in the United States. And uh, we see that over and over again. We cannot overestimate how important Chevron is to America and to the, the economic sort of vitality we have here in coastal Mississippi, can we? No, we, we can't. And, and, and it's sort of a segue from that same point as it concerns shipbuilding's uh, uh, role or, or, or position as it concerns national security. Um, Chevron is no less important in the national security equation. I mean, look, let's you know, hear ourselves say it out loud. Here in Pascagoula, on the Bayou Cassatt Deepwater Channel, is Chevron's largest wholly owned refinery. Let's say that again. Their largest wholly owned refinery. And aside from um, a refining uh, crude and uh, the, the relatively new product line that is the base oil industrial lubricant, and while at the same time I am not licensed by Chevron to speak on this next point, but the fact of the matter is renewables are, are going to be a reality, Ricky. 
You know, they're a reality now. And so where we end up 10, 20, 30 years down the road as it concerns renewables is a trillion dollar question. And my sense is, again, not having that license to speak on that company's behalf, that Chevron is going to be riding that wave. They are going to be a leader in the sector as it concerns renewables. That can only um, that can only play to the benefit of of this economy. But again, complacency is not an option, and we're not taking anything for granted. Yeah, you said, hey, actually, you see, in my conversation with Austin, he's quick to point out that you're not going to see. Because, first of all, there's no incentive to do this. We really need in America a couple of more refineries. That's that's the reality. But we're not going to see any new refineries. And, in fact, we're taking refinery capacity offline. And so he says if we take some of that refinery capacity that's been taken offline and bring it back online, it's not going to be doing gas. It's going to be doing other things. And you're seeing, if you whether it was BP or Chevron or you name the company, a lot of their strategic efforts these days are not in traditional energy policy. Right. It's, 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 it is in renewable. And, um, and so that's why I believe that what you're saying is true. I think, you know, we're going to have a place for oil and gas in this country for 20, 30, 40 more years. There's going to be, there has to be, whether the pendulum keeps swinging because of these different, these different, uh, you know, Republicans in and then the Democrats in the pendulum swing, we can't get, uh, we can't get sort of this rational energy policy that's going to take us out 30 years. But the reality sure. is, if you look at it, refinery capacity is going to be here. And you're going to see so eventually the lines are going to meet up where renewables meet and start to pass up sort of the, the traditional energy approach. But that's a long way out into the future. And since we're not building new refinery capacity, that means that Chevron refinery here in coastal Mississippi is going to continue to be for many, many, many years in the future, one of the, no. the most important refinery in the United States. It is strategically important. It is, gosh, I can't tell you how how important this this. And it's here. It's here, and we're and we're going to continue to foster it along. But I'm not overstating that, am I? No, absolutely, absolutely not. For for those reasons that you just alluded to, Chevron will continue to be an economic driver. Uh, all, all throughout the coastal region, not just not just Jackson County, um, but again, uh, we have an obligation at every turn to communicate to the corporate office, to communicate to those who would make those decisions as to how, when, and where to make investments uh, that they should that they should be made made here. You know, not not to not to shift gears too too much on you here, but but after that constant messaging and it's more than the messaging it's about demonstrating the real value proposition ricky we we condition our elected officials to to appreciate the fact that we're always always being watched if it's a simple enough request for a property tax abatement um, or if it's something more complicated than that those companies, those entities that might make an investment in our community are always watching us, even if we don't know that they are. And so always being able to demonstrate that this is an environment that we are prepared, that we can accommodate new investment is critical to what we do. When we dedicated the Rolls-Royce Marine North American New Machining Center just a few weeks ago, I did. I looked at Tom Bell, the president of, of Rolls-Royce Marine North America, and I said, Mr. Bell, we'd like to think that, that, that think that based upon our track record here that we have earned 
a place in any conversation as to where Northrop Grumman, excuse me, as to where Rolls-Royce Marine North America would intend to make future investments. And that applies to shipbuilding, suppliers, petrochemical, aerospace, or any of our other identified uh, potential opportunities. A minute ago, you mentioned complacency. Uh, you had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with our friend Jerry St. Pay, the former uh, president and CEO of Ingalls, who in his retirement has continued to make an unbelievable mark in coastal Mississippi. But when I spoke to him the first week of, of Coastview, this is nearly three years ago, he talked about complacency then. And he, he said, you know, the thing, the thing that we got to be concerned about is that a mindset begins to settle in that says that Ingalls is always going to be there, that Chevron's always going to be there, that the blue chip industries that are part of Stennis Space Center are always going to be there. We can't take that point of view. If we take that point of view, we will probably fail if we do. I actually ended up pulling a segment for that when I did the keynote for the One Coast Award this year. I did a little video, and I have actually pulled that. I made a note of it when he said it, and I went back to it, and we, we pulled that segment out, and we had that be part of that video. And I went on to say that the three things that we got to watch out for, number one, is we have to fight any communities, any successful community is going to have sort of this gravity toward complacency. It's, you you got to fight it. Companies fight that too. The moment you believe you've arrived is the day you start going backwards. That's just the way it is. That's number one. Second, we have to fight this notion around status quo. It's somewhat related to complacency, but it's very specific. And there are a lot of people who protect, want to protect the status quo. For us to go where we need to go, in other words, take advantage of the strategic opportunities in front of us, we cannot always do things the way we've always done them. We have to be willing to fight the status quo and move the, the community forward. And then lastly, we got to be focused on bringing leaders to the table who get it. And I think one of the things that you guys have done at the Jackson County Economic, Economic Development Foundation is, and why I call it a best practice for public-private partnership, is this, that when you're communicating, the public sector and the private sector are communicating around those goals, fighting the status quo, not taking things for granted, fighting complacency. You, it's easier to get on the same page about things. And so what we're going to do when we come back, I want you to respond to what I just talked about, because that's the key to success. And you guys are doggedly determined not to let those things be variables in your overall conversations about the future. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with George Freeland from the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm, in, I'm enjoying my visit with George Freeland. We always end up getting into the keys to success, you know, as we go forward. What are the keys to success? And as I talked about before we went to break, the message that I had to the One Coast Awards, we got to fight complacency. we got to fight those who want to protect the status quo. And we have to be always focused on aligning leadership and getting leaders that get it. You know, and that takes a lot of effort, man. A lot of aligning, a lot of communication, bringing people into the fold. I mean, it can never be taken for granted. Leadership development is really important, and it comes in a bunch of different forms. But when you think about those three, you know, kind of challenges, George, what goes through your mind? You 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 went straight to the one word description of it during the break. 
alignment, alignment, alignment. Ricky, here, here's the thing. Um, we, 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 can never, we can never be confused about what economic development really is. We can describe it in a number of different ways. We can attach different definitions to it, you know, with that being creating wealth in a community, or, uh, or we can put a number of different spins on what the intended outcomes are. But let's never be confused. It is a competition. Other communities want what we have. So I wake up, and the people around me wake up every day with the proposition, with the notion of competing against the rest of the world for those things that would better our communities and our economy. As I've said before, sometimes that competition is just down the road. Sometimes it's across the state line. Sometimes it's a world away. And, 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 and a person might not like that characterization, but that is the reality of it. And so to compete, we have to have a full and complete alignment of all public and private sector interest in a community. We have to know when to get out of our own way. We have to know when to dispense with petty, petty politics and focus on the end game. Now, in this community, because of the way we're architected and because of our leadership and because, as we've discussed, the, the, the ability for some otherwise fairly well-seasoned economic development professionals to execute that plan and that blueprint, we do. We have the most aligned community in the state of Mississippi. And it's a bold statement, but I'll stand by it. Two things, you know, again, I go back to the Rolls-Royce event. Now, I stood in front of a front row of all Jackson County state delegation members, our Senate and our House members who were instrumental in pushing GCRF monies into that expansion. And let me remind you that that expansion included a number of workforce development components. You and I are going to have, a, a, we're going to have many more conversations on workforce development, so I won't, I won't linger on that now, but I made the comment. I said, ours is the most economic development-minded delegation in the state of Mississippi. It, that, that's just a fact. It's just a, public, a matter of public record. I stood before the Board of Supervisors on Monday of this week as they entered into a resolution uh, recognizing and taking up what is now National Apprenticeship Week and recognizing that. And I made the comment to them that you are the most economic development-minded board of supervisors in the state of Mississippi. Those aren't political statements. It's not my job to campaign. As a matter of fact, as a 501c3, I'm prohibited from campaigning. I'm making factual statements, and those statements are based on a process that you've described and you've recognized, which is to constantly, not in one meeting, not in one presentation, not with one email, but a process of constantly engaging all facets of public and private sector leadership in this community in a way that it understands what the challenges are and it understands what the opportunities are and it has the architecture and we have the backing to go out and pursue those opportunities. Uh, you know, people like myself and Mary Martha Henson are, are, are happy to ride that steed over the hill, but man, we've got to know that the Calvary is there with us. And that's what separates us apart. It separates us apart from the competition. So as I say again, let's, let, let's not be confused. It is very much a competition. And listen, George, you said it really well about you know, where, and where the competition is coming from. In some cases, it's even global. When I, when I gave the speech about status quo and leadership and complacency being challenges at the One Coast Award, what I said is that those who compete against us, they literally pray for our complacency. Because a lot of a lot of successful communities 
do get a little, you know, fat and happy, and they and they aren't focused strategically. They aren't acting like there are really true present dangers. One of the points that Jamie Miller made the other day in his time at MDA, what he remembers is. The CEOs are smart as hell about about things these days. They're not that they ever weren't, but they certainly are. The CFOs are really smart, and they know how to they know how to crunch the numbers and find out where is a good place for them to place their bets. And under that sort of really really rigorous process, you got to stand up out, and you got to be able to stand up for for your community and if you're not a line buddy they will skip you so fast it will make your head spin won't they we have we have to demonstrate to those people that you just mentioned longevity and that over the over the long haul that we can reduce if not eliminate risk where possible if a community isn't aligned we're a board of supervisors the mayor the city council the port commission the airport authority and all members that lead or all leading industry uh, uh, representatives aren't aligned as to that proposition and then that, that need you'll take one step forward and two steps back it's uh, it's incredible i love talking about it because it's the key to success and i hope that people enjoy listening to it because it's some of the formula that we've got to continue to sort of deploy to have our success in the future. But George Freeland, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to a series of shows that we're going to do about work short, workforce development and other keys to success, bringing in some partners and others into the conversation. I can't wait to work with you on that. Thank you for your time today, my friend. Yeah, Ricky, it's always good to talk to you. And again, we look forward to the sequence of conversations as it, as it concerns workforce development. we got to get it right. And in closing 10 years from now, we're going to look back on the workforce development piece and we're going to resolve that we got it right. Or we're going to look back and resolve that it was our Achilles heel. We, we know which door we're going to go through, right? I agree. I can't wait to have the conversation. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. See you, Ricky. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.